Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with you all today and talk about a topic that should be top of mind for any board, and that is board refreshment. I'm taking a different tack today and doing this podcast solo, so I hope you find the information I intend to share useful as you execute your board duties. The board refreshment process is one that looks at the mix of corporate directors in consideration of the current and longer-term needs of the company and its stakeholders. A good board refreshment process ensures that the board does not become complacent and that directors that it has can continue to provide independent and new perspectives in the boardroom and is a key element being focused on by U.S. market forces, whether that's proxy voting, asset manager interest, shareholder scrutiny, etc. Some observations that I often refer to when I'm speaking to boards about this topic include BDO's most recent 2020 board poll survey of 280 public company board members that when asked about the top short-term and long-term aspects around environmental, social, and governance priorities for the next 12 to 18 months, building a more diverse board and leadership team was second, 45%, only to ensuring employee welfare at 71%. But looking a bit further out from 18 months to three years, directors saw building more diverse leadership teams and board members as the highest priority, 50% versus 46% for ensuring employee welfare. PwC's 2020 board survey found that 61% of directors have served their companies for more than five years. And in that same survey, almost half surveyed indicated that at least one director should be considered for replacement. Many investors continue to focus on director tenure and correlate lengthy tenures with the need to scrutinize boards for independence from management. For example, CalPERS global governance principles state that director independence can be compromised at 12 years of service and that a company should conduct rigorous evaluations to classify the director as non-independent or provide a detailed annual explanation of why the director can continue to be classified as independent. ISS's quality score metric gives positive scores to companies where the proportion of non-executive directors with fewer than six years tenure makes up more than one third of the board and scrutinizes board where the average tenure exceeds 15 years. But in its 2019 proxy voting guidelines for U.S. securities, BlackRock stated that it supports regular board refreshment, but that it's not opposed in principle to long tenure directors and does not correlate long tenures with an impediment to independence. BlackRock's stance strikes the balanced view that diversity of tenure is important to the refreshment process, but provides the benefit of continuity of strategy, culture, and experience. Cleary Gottlieb's review of 2020 proxies showed some interesting details in terms of the attributes of new directors being onboarded and trends in terms of refreshment policies being demonstrated by boards that we'll get to in a moment. 
So there's obviously a huge emphasis currently on board diversification and is being exemplified in state regulations like California's Senate bills 979 and 826 that wrote into law for public companies domiciled in the state requirements to have minimum numbers of female directors as well as directors from underrepresented communities who self-identify as Black, African-American, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, Native Hawaiian, or Alaska Native, or who identify as GLBT. NASDAQ currently has a proposed rule 5605F in front of the SEC for approval that would require NASDAQ listed companies to have one director who self-identifies as female and one director who either self-identifies as an underrepresented minority or LGBTQ, or explain why the company does not have at least two such directors. Additionally, NASDAQ would further require companies to provide statistical data in a board diversity matrix that's exposed publicly. So stay tuned for more on that. The SEC is scheduled to look at this again later the summer of 2021. So while my thoughts today are not just around diversity, I mentioned that to emphasize that board diversity is just one but a significant driver for companies to be taking a look at their current board composition and refreshment programs. So let's discuss the process of refreshment, which is primarily accomplished in the following. First is the conduct of annual director evaluations, which look at individual director performance, as well as how directors engage together in committee and full board work. Updating director skill matrices is the next component that also includes both strategic and risk-based elements of focus. And common elements that you would expect to find in such a matrix include the various types of experiences that directors are expected to have. And for specific committee roles, a level of expertise. So risk management, financial, legal, operational, industry, and for global companies, international experience. While many companies have the following attributes on their radar already, many other companies continue to add these skill sets that are focused on marketing, human resource, or human capital management, technology and digital, as well as social and digital media experience. And still other areas for consideration include transactional experience, as well as business lifecycle acumen. And finally, of course, is the consideration of the degree of a board member's independence from fellow board members, as well as management. Using this matrix, you essentially check off for each of your current directors the applicable skills and attributes they possess which then allows you to perform a gap analysis to identify where skills may be needed in the near and longer term to complement your board. The information and the periodic updating of it can inform a multi-year board refreshment plan that considers a variety of information beyond simply the skill matrix. So let's talk about those board refreshment components. So a good board refreshment strategy includes the who, the when, and the what. So let's start with the who. Normally, the nomination and governance committee is responsible for oversight and determination of the board composition. This is generally outlined in a company's applicable corporate governance charters. Other key members include the CEO and potentially the chief human resource officer, as well as external consultants, board advisors, search firms, and of course, involvement with various board governance and personal networks. Most organizations and their stakeholders are alert to potential negative perceptions of boards that are dominated by the CEO's quote-unquote people, particularly when the CEO may be a domineering figure and the board is unable to exercise good oversight. 
There are varying degrees of this, and certainly board members approved or identified by the CEO can be highly valuable members of the board. But there is growing awareness for the need to go beyond traditional sources for board candidates, for example, from similar social circles or close networks of company management and the directors themselves, and be considerate of other sources for potential director candidates. Additionally, expanding beyond traditional corporate roles, such as the CEO and CFO, while those positions provide valuable and relevant experience to board governance, too much of anything is not always good for the organization as a whole. The key is in the word refreshment. The board's role in oversight is to provide fresh perspective. If you dissect board refreshment and focus on the fresh, you come to acknowledge board composition succession planning as a fresh opportunity to bring in clear eyes and new thoughts to help identify emerging risks and new opportunities to the benefit of the organization and ultimately to its shareholders. We're seeing more and more companies seeking advice on where to be seeking different talent sources. For example, outside of board members, CEO networks, and traditional search firms. While search firms can be very helpful, some may have concern that even search firms often go to the same well of directors for opportunities. In certain cases, turning to other advisors or seeking out different talent sources can help add to search firm slates with additional candidates, or it can also serve as an independent confirmation of current recommendations to the board that they may already be considering. For example, with the current increased focus around director diversity, as you can imagine, many boards are trying to identify a variety of candidates that can help improve their overall board diversity composition, but that also have the deep industry or transactional experience that's as important as gender or ethnicity considerations. There are many growing organizations, for example, women and minority groups, mentoring circles, et cetera, that are helping connect companies to prospective board members who may represent more diverse attributes, but are also highly qualified and pre-vetted to serve as board directors. So let's turn to the when. Best practices highlight that board succession should be an ongoing agenda item on board agendas. Particularly as new regulations arise, as strategy of the company shifts, as disruptions, economic events, or transactions arise that may highlight the needs for additional skill sets or consideration of the current board composition. This may include activist activities or in contemplation of potential activist activities. For example, it's considered good practice to annually review your board skill and attributes matrix against management's strategic plan and identify gaps to create a viable plan to bring in the relevant missing pieces. That also includes the need to look from an external lens as to vulnerabilities you may have that others external to the organization may seek to exploit. For example, from activist shareholders or hostile takeover bids, establishing valuations and contemplation of transactions, seeking investment capital, or new business partners and customers. Regard to the what's to consider. In addition to strategy, the oversight of culture by your organization's governance body is becoming a much more significant area of focus from an internal company perspective, but equally important from an external perspective, as more transparency is being demanded by the investing public and other stakeholders, customers, vendors, lenders, etc., about the companies that they choose to do business with. This also includes employees. So what is the company's culture and what is the board's understanding of its members' roles in driving, preserving, and protecting that culture? What attributes do new members potentially need to have to fit in? Are they collaborative? Are they inquisitive? Can they demonstrate good listening skills? Are they innovative? Can they be free thinking? Do they have thick skin? Are they relatable? Are they available? Etc. 
So additional areas that garner intention include, do current or prospective board members have the capacity to serve on the board? For example, are they overboarded? Are they on too many boards or do they currently serve in demanding operational roles that would prevent them from serving the current company to their highest ability? Or perhaps they're underboarded. Do they have the right level of corporate governance experience to positively contribute and effectively carry out their current board responsibilities? Does your company have the time and the bandwidth to allow them to learn this on the job? Are you factoring in that board searches can take a significant amount of time, potentially? to find the right fit for your board. While there are thousands of directors out there, it's more than just reviewing board bios and hearing a good word or two from a trusted friend or advisor. Identifying and vetting prospective board members can be a lengthy and time-consuming process, but is time well invested in building a high-caliber oversight function for an organization. The importance of being able to onboard new directors and off-board potential legacy directors is critical. So for onboarding, having a plan to integrate new directors on the board and pair them with buddies or mentors during this process is evolving as a key practice, ensuring that they have opportunities not only with key executives within the management team and ample time with the CEO and board chair or the independent lead director, but also with other levels of management within the organization so that new directors can get an unfiltered sense of the organization and how it operates. This includes providing opportunities for new directors to both learn about the company as well as their new responsibilities, for example, through planned education sessions held by the company or with identified external resources such as through your legal counsel, your auditors or other advisors, or via corporate governance organizations like the National Association of Corporate Directors and others. This also includes meeting individually with their fellow directors. All of this had been made a bit more challenging, of course, by the virtual and remote environments we're operating in, but if a company is intentional about its onboarding and helping new directors acclimate, that's half the battle. The other half falls to the new directors themselves to be self-starters in this regard and not be afraid to reach out, be inquisitive, and educate themselves. Some companies adopt the process of having directors observe various committees that they're actually not members of, especially at the outset of board tenure. For example, sitting on the audit and risk committee, sometimes it's a desirable way to onboard a director or at least having them participate in those meetings so that they get a sense of some of the risk areas and opportunities faced by the companies and the unique challenges from a financial reporting and disclosure perspective that these directors can gain. And then with regard to offboarding, this is, of course, a very difficult situation for many companies. If the board as a whole and the CEO, chair, or lead director hasn't set the expectation up front that board members are there to serve shareholders and board seats are not Supreme Court appointments to be thought of as life tenancies. I once heard a very smart director make this comment, and it has resonated with me, so I share it with you today. Other companies choose to formalize offboarding mechanisms through the creation of set terms for board tenure or age limits on service, as well as limiting the number of boards that members may serve on concurrently, among other things. And finally, for consideration is whether you already have established processes for board refreshment. How are these reflected in your charters? How do your stakeholders view this? How are you engaging with these stakeholders to know their thoughts on board composition? Are you monitoring proxy information or proxy contests? Are you seeking out key shareholders and other stakeholders? Are these processes allowing you to identify the talent in the boardroom that you need today or that you may need tomorrow? Or perhaps do these processes need refreshment as well? 
Hopefully all of these are good questions to make you pause and think about how your boards are conducting themselves and whether your governance mechanisms are up to task. The ultimate position that boards want to be in with their refreshment strategies is one that makes refreshment and succession planning a priority and a normal part of oversight responsibilities. It's underscored by having board members recognize that board appointments are not for the long haul and a director's usefulness should be viewed from the stakeholders lens always. It provides for regular and intentional use of skill matrices that align board composition with both current and future strategic needs of the business and allows for periodic adjustments to those matrices as the business evolves. It outlines clear expectations for directors about tenure, capacity, participation, etc. It takes on a longer-term, multi-year view of refreshment that anticipates departures, leadership changes, illness, and God forbid, tragedies that can strike and hit us unaware. And with any human capital management strategy, one where director candidates are considered through the lens of prioritized skills and attributes that allows for the development of a sustainable talent pipeline for the future. I thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to sharing additional episodes of BDO in the Boardroom with you. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash bdo boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash bdo knows governance.